Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast, episode 58. And I never would have thought originally that we'd get to this point. We're 58 episodes in. Um, today, we've got a really interesting topic for those of you who are considering, maybe you're not, you don't even, you're not even a dog owner yet, but you're thinking about getting a dog. And as a dog trainer, a, a common question I get is, uh, oh, hey, Ken, what do you think about this breed? Or, you know, this is, this is uh, my, these are the members of my family. How do you think this breed, this X breed would fit into our lifestyles. And actually, Instructor Shannon has written a blog post on her McCandogs.com website uh, it, that's titled The Best Breed of Dog for You. And that's what we're going to dive into today. Some of the considerations uh, that you need to be aware of when you're choosing a dog for you and your family so that you have the best suited four-legged family member for your situation. Let's get right into this. I'm Ken Steep, and welcome back to McCann Dogs. <laughs> Now, Shannon, this uh, is a really common topic that we hear or a common thing we hear from uh, those prospective dog owners because of our experience meeting and greeting and uh, learning about so many breeds and having a pretty close relationship with a lot of breeds because of all of our instructors. Um, talk about just for a second, the, the variety of dogs that we uh, you know, get to see on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, it really, it runs the gambit. We see everything from sporting dogs to sight hounds to, you know, scent hounds, everything in between. We're really lucky to have such a big sample size to be able to narrow down our own choices and the and the things that appeal to us by seeing a lot of, uh, of different breeds of dogs around here. Uh, from the smallest of toy poodles to the largest of Irish wolfhounds, we uh, we have instructors that have uh, and every breed in between. It's pretty interesting, and and we know that. Um, Every single dog is different, and, and some breeds do have specific tendencies that uh, people might need to be aware of. But when it comes to choosing the best fit for your family or the best fit for your lifestyle, you've written a blog post that uh, dives into some of the important things that we the people need to think about before choosing a dog. Now, what was the uh, what was the inspiration for this post specifically? Just. The constant question of which breed is right for an individual, and it, it's such a personal thing. I mean, people always ask that, what's the best breed of dog? And it's absolutely impossible to answer that question because my version of the best breed of dog is completely different from your version of the best breed of dog. And there are things that I find very appealing in certain breeds that somebody else would absolutely hate, you know, as, as um, a trait that they had to live with and vice versa. You know, there's, there's lots of breeds that I see around here that, that, there's not a lot of appeal to me to, to, to have that dog actually come and live in my home. I can appreciate that breed on a level of, of, of watching it from afar, but there's far too many things that I just would not want to live with in certain breeds to make that breed appealing. So it, it's so hard to answer the direct question, what breed of dog should I get? It's much easier to educate and say, these are the things that you should know. These are the things that you should know to ask, and these are the things that you will want to, you know, narrow down to specifics, energy level and temperament. And, you know, knowing how to ask the right questions and look for the right details will help you get to that ultimate answer of which breed is the right breed for you. Now, I know that um, you've had several Nova Scotia duck tolling retrievers, um, and uh, your current puppy or your young dog that you're training right now, Ned, is 
in fact a toller. What is it about the toller that you fell in love with? The, or the breed. What, what do you what do you really like about the breed that uh, causes you to choose toller after toller? I, and and I always will have a toller without question. Even if I add a different breed to my house, it will never be without a toller. Um, everything really appeals to me about the toller. There's a couple of things that I find to be a negative on the list, but those are things that I have be, been well aware of. I know that I can live with because all of the positives surrounding that breed are so in tune to my lifestyle. I love the energy level of the breed. I love the goofy nature of the breed. Um, I wish there was a little little bit less grooming that needed to be done, but you know, that's okay. That's a negative that I live with. Um, I absolutely love the workability of the breed and I love that they're, they're not everybody's best friend. Like some of the other sporting dogs would be like labs and goldens, for example, I adore those breeds, but I adore them from afar because uh, personally for me, I want a dog that sees me as the most important thing in the world. And I don't have to compete quite as much for their attention with everybody that walks in the room. I don't want to have a dog that uh, is absolutely in love with everybody that they meet. I want a dog that's a little bit more discerning. So that's what led me to tollers out of the sporting breeds. Uh, and I know that you do compete in like doing some, some retriever trials and things like that. And certainly, um, you know, maybe a small percentage of our audience might be thinking, you know, further down the road, maybe they're looking for, for a sporting breed. But a, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is specifically for your, as you make a decision for your family pet, for that dog that's going to integrate into your lifestyle. And you talk a lot uh, when we're speaking about tollers, knowing that um, they are a sporting breed. Um, you talk in the first um, uh, paragraph of your blog post about breed traits and instincts and you know how should our prospective puppy owner uh, view those things think about those things before they choose a dog Right. So I, I sort of broke it down into categories, as does the Canadian Kennel Club, the CKC. So basically, there are a certain number of groups within the CKC. And those groups are sort of divided into common workability and traits, things that the dog was originally bred for. So for example, there, the Rottweiler would be in the working group. And uh, they were used to herd, but they were also used to cart and to protect. And there was all sorts of different things that that dog was used for and bred for. There's the terrier group, and that would include things like your Jack Russell and your Fox Terrier. And terriers were bred to take on vermin in a variety of different roles. So the, the fact that terriers tend to be a little bit tenacious is an absolute breed trait. And it's probably not something that you're ever going to not have if you go with a terrier. So knowing those things, th those are so important. Uh, a great jumping off point would be the Canadian Kennel Club website. They've got all the breeds listed and they've got a brief synopsis of what that breed is like. They'll have some details in what they call the standard. Plus they'll have some descriptive about the dog, what they do, what they like to do. You know, uh, their, um, their basic breed traits. Are you gonna end up with a dog that is tenacious that is wanting to take on small critters head on or are you going to end up with a breed that is predominantly bred just to be a companion animal so you know some of the some of the toy breeds and whatnot the um cavalier king charles spaniel as an example i lived with a ckc spaniel for a while when my mom could no longer care for the dog the dog came and lived with me and literally his 
origin was to be a flea collector. They were bred to sit on the laps of nobility and the fleas would jump from the people onto the dog. So, it, you know, there's there's very different traits that you're going to get with uh, Cavalier King Charles Spaniel as an example versus that Rottweiler because they were bred for completely different things. So looking at those breed traits is such an important thing because you need to figure out first and foremost whether you want a powerful working dog like a Rottweiler or you want a sweet soft cuddly dog like a ckc spaniel would be you, you mentioned um things like the ckc website what would uh, be some other resources that someone can look into now i know in the past you uh, we, when we've talked about some um, breed uh specifics you've mentioned uh, like breed clubs you know wh what sort of uh what sort of information could you find on a breed club website yeah, and that's a that's a great place to go once you've narrowed down your search to a few different breeds. Go looking for a national club or a regional club um, with tollers. We've got an Ontario club as well as a, a Toller Club of Canada. So there's lots of resources there. And you are going to get details about the dog, what they're bred to do, some of the local community members and what they do. Um, there'll be great descriptives on the breed club websites about those dogs and all of the ins and outs of them as well. I always say when you're looking to try to figure out what breed of dog you want, do not just concentrate on the positives. You know, don't just go to somebody and say, hey, what are all the great things you love about your dog? Tell me. You have to be able to survive through the negatives because those are the really trying things. The positives are a piece of cake. You know, the things I love about my dogs, the things I love about tollers, I can live with all day long. They will never, ever impact my life in a negative way. But it's the things like the grooming requirements with tollers. They're not um, a super barky breed. So a lot of the times you hear, oh, they don't bark a lot. That's great. But they scream. <laughs> oh, my goodness. There is a blood curdling noise that can come out of these dogs. So get the full picture. Know those negatives because that can be quite alarming. Uh, Reggie, I, I can't even tell you the pitches that dog can hit when he is excited. I swear would break glass sometimes. So learn about those dogs and learn the negatives, of course, first are, are so, so important to know that you can live with the negatives of any breed. I think uh, there's people are uh, influenced when there's a very popular movie or a very popular TV show. We often see, uh, um, you know, that breed show up in classes more often. Um, and I think people are so, uh, people often sort of look at the, um, how, how how beautiful the dog was in the movie or in the uh, in the uh, TV show, and they completely forget the fact that the dog needs is going to live with them, that, that they're going to need to um, exercise them, that they're going to need to do some training with them. They 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 really do need to uh, think. You know, the dog is going maybe going to have some bad habits that they need to train through. Uh, there's so much we have so much access to information now. Uh, it's so easy to do just a little bit of research and truly understand the the depths of both the good and the bad of of whatever that breed is and people need to be careful that they don't um, they don't romanticize the idea of the dog uh, whatever breed it is uh, and, and only look at the positive so I think it really you know taking a good look at the negatives is, is a really important step and one thing that can be quite a handful is uh, those high energy dogs and sometimes it's not even the breeds that you'd expect you know everyone thinks that uh, maybe they're whatever the most athletic dog border collies or like the those great big sporting breeds that have you know great muscle structure might be might have the most energy but that's not always the case so talk about um how taking energy the energy level of the dog into consideration uh, is important for the prospective dog owner 
It's a huge, huge factor. But actually, while you were talking there about movie dogs and and how much people love those movie dogs, it reminded me of a a story I know, a breeder friend of mine who breeds Shelties. Um, And the point that I wanted to make was that those dogs on TV or those dogs in the movie, you're seeing them at their absolute best. You are seeing those dogs as an extremely well-trained creature. So that is something that you need to take into consideration as well. Don't just go by what you see on TV. Go and see dogs of that nature that are not trained so that you know what you're getting yourself into. And it reminded me of a story, a Sheltie, um, a Sheltie breeder friend of mine. She used to say, I do not vacuum my house for a week when I have somebody coming over to meet a prospective puppy. And that is because I don't want them to think about Shelties and not realize how much hair and how much cleaning and how much grooming you need to do. So I don't clean my house for a week. She had six or so or some uh, odd number of Shelties running around. And of course, the hair would be tremendous. And she wanted the people who were coming to think about buying that breed to see exactly what they were getting themselves into. So those are really, really good lessons as well. And sorry to get off track. No, I think, I think that's important. Everything. I think that's really important. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's sort of brought to light at the um, idea in my mind. I've been on uh, film uh, sets before. I've been on t- television show, show sets. And with those dogs, you know, uh, the that cut, that clip is maybe 15 seconds, 20 seconds long. And then cut. And then, the, you know, the people take their dog and the, the, the handler, the wrangler, you know, uh, d- does their thing with their dog. It's such a brief snapshot. It's like a pic- having almost having a picture of a dog. It's just a slice of that life. Uh, uh, with that breed. So uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, it really, uh, when we see things on movies and, and TV, which is, and we only, I think we're only sort of going over this in depth because we see it so often in the training facility. You know, if there's a movie that features a uh, Belgian Malinois, we know that there's going to be a swath of Belgian Malinois that come in over the next couple of months, regardless of the breed, whatever the breed is. That's We, we often see the relationship between uh, that breed starring in some uh, you know high-profile thing and uh, a lot of people bringing them home, which isn't to say that it's not the right choice, but it is to say that you do need to do your research. You do need to take in several things into consideration, which are the things that we're talking about today. And I know energy was certainly one of those things. Definitely. And it might be the best breed in the world for you, but you won't know that until you've done your homework. And the last thing you want to do is end up in a situation where now you're stuck and the dog is frustrated and you're frustrated. Energy is such a huge part of that. You know, if you do your research and be honest with yourself, you know, it's, it's about making that creature and yourself enjoy life. So rather than getting a dog that has more energy than you are willing to put in the effort to expel or getting a dog that has less energy than what you want, asking the right questions ahead of time and getting that information and that knowledge is going to save you from a lot of frustration. The energy level is one of the most important things to match to your personality. You know, if you're if you're a couch potato and you would rather spend your evenings when you get home from work sitting and watching TV, then getting a Belgian Malinois or a Border Collie is going to be a disaster for you because those dogs need mental and physical stimulation. And it's not enough to just take them for a walk around the block and then sit back down on the couch. Those dogs need to be entertained. They need classes. They need interaction. They need mental stimulation and physical stimulation. It's going to go without saying that, um, 
if you get a dog like a border collie, you need to be willing to figure out how to exercise that dog, both physically and emotionally and mentally as well. And the other side of the coin as well, if you're a jogger and you're trying to get a dog that's going to be a jogging partner for you, getting a Mastiff is going to make you frustrated in the long run. So, and it's not going to be a good dog to be doing a lot of physical activity with. So just making sure that you spend enough time with those dog breeds to see what their energy levels are truly like, ask the questions, you know, even within the same breed. So, so for example, you might get, um, you might decide you want a golden retriever. And there is a huge difference between golden retrievers that are bred, for example, for the field world, that are bred to be hunting companions all day long, and the golden retrievers that are bred for the show ring. And that in itself is a real shame, but that's a whole issue in and of itself. Do be aware that within the same breed, you're probably going to have massive differences. So once you've broken it down into breed, you also need to break it down to the right breeder, uh, the, the breeder that is going to match a dog with you that's going to fit your lifestyle well. So even once you've chosen a breed, it's not over at that point. You've still got to do your research with a breeder and make sure that you get a dog that matches your energy level. Huge difference in the field bred labs as well versus show bred labs, et cetera. There's going to be a, a, a real um, real difference in energy levels out there. What would you suggest to someone who is um, is decided on their breed but uh isn't sure which breeder to go with in terms of um things like energy levels or uh, you know how would you how would you figure out as a new uh, puppy owner a new dog owner which breeder's right for you yeah talk to that breeder and you know talk to people who own their puppies go and visit those dogs um if at all possible meet the parents of the litter that you're going to uh that you're showing interest in Good breeders will be just as discerning about you as you're trying to be about them. That's the that's one of the real benefits of going with a well-established breeder and a responsible breeder is that that breeder wants to make sure that they find the best possible home for that puppy. And if they don't think you're going to be a good match, they will probably give you honest information and take that. You know, if if you are visiting a breeder and they say, you know what, I think this dog, I think these dogs are probably going to be too much for you, then thank them, you know, thank them and ask them if they have a recommendation for a, a dog that maybe would be a closer match to you because they know the community, they know what's being bred and they might be able to direct you in the, to the right spot to find the dog of your dreams. That's a great question. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point. Um, one of the things mm -hmm. that you will see is uh, from different lineages, different uh, lines, uh, regardless of the breed, or different temperaments. Uh, you know, you, you're going to get a very different temperament uh, in one, uh, certainly in one breed. So our labs versus our toy poodle versus our mutt versus our border collie all have different temperaments. And those are things that I really need to take into account when I'm training them, but also for them just to be a house dog, for them to be, you know, have freedoms around the house and things. So talk about the, the consideration of temperament when it comes to choosing the right breed for you. Yeah, absolutely. And this one's huge as well. I would put it probably on an even level with the energy level. We need to make sure that we can handle the dog that we're bringing home. Um, if, for example, you love, and not just handle, you know what, I'm going to go back there. Rather than saying you can handle it, that you can 
prosper with that breed. So for example, if you love being wild and crazy and you love a real ferocious tugger and you love, you know, a rough and tumble dog, then I'd be looking at a terrier or I'd be looking at a working breed. If you like a dog that's a little bit softer or maybe a little bit more aloof, um, you would be looking at a different breed altogether. So what's important is that you're matching that temperament to the things that you like, that you're happy to nurture rather than be frustrated by. You know, if you've got a pretty soft personality and you like to, you know, reward your dog with a little pat on the head and a cookie rather than a ferocious game of tug, you're probably going to want something a, a little bit softer than a terrier as an example. So finding out what the breed tendencies are and trying to match those to the things you like are really going to set you up to have a positive, wonderful relationship with your dog rather than being frustrated. Um, I know that um, temperament's a huge factor, but the, there's always like this collections of miscellaneous things that you uh, might not be aware of until you own that breed. Uh, and in your blog post, you call them other factors. And where do you see, you know, what sort of other factors should things be, people be looking at as they're uh, figuring out which dog is right for them? Yeah, those are the things like the grooming requirements, you know, the, the shedding and mess that comes with that dog. Are they, you know, sporting breeds, as an example, my, my tollers, they barely spend a day of their life dry. They love water. They love mud. They love muck. You know, there's, there's pretty much uh, that's the definition of their existence is they want to be gross and dirty. And I like a clean house, but I'm not, I'm not fastidious. I don't vacuum my floor. Actually, Actually, I have a robot vacuum that vacuums my floors every day. One of the best gifts ever. But um, I'm not that concerned with it. You know, if there's a little bit of mud splatter on my wall for a couple of days and I wipe it off on the weekends when I do my house cleaning, I'm okay with that. But if I was the type of person that that would drive up the wall, that would be a huge factor for me. So again, it would be a frustration point where I was constantly having to tidy up after my dogs. If you're that type of person that that, that bothers you so much, then you need to take those things into consideration. Um, cost as well is a big factor. And while we don't want that to be the absolute deciding factor, we have to be re realistic. We need to be able to afford the dog that we're getting. And you're going to pay a, a, a lot less for food, for example, if you get a toy poodle versus the 14 or so cups that you're going to have to have to feed a Great Dane. So there's a huge difference in the cost of dogs in the space they'll take up. You know, if you've got a Great Dane, you better have a vehicle that you can transport that dog safely in. If you are planning to get a Great Dane, then you need to have room for a full-sized Great Dane crate somewhere in your house so that you can make sure you still have a safe spot for them to be because they are going to be a huge size far before they're mature enough to be left alone in the house. So things like that are huge considerations. You really want to talk to the people that own those breeds because that is what is going to give you all those little idiosyncrasies that come along with the breed that are going to make a big difference for you, but they might not potentially be a, a deal breaker. You just need to be aware and you need to be able to work through those things. I know that uh, it's so important to look at the next 10 years, the next 12 years, maybe 15 years, depending on the breed. And uh, you, you pointed out in the article, and I think it's so vitally important that we think about the, the full-grown dog, the adult dog. Uh, all puppies are adorable and fluffy and cute and very manageable. But, um, you know, when your dog gets full-grown, 
it's a it's it's a it's a it's a different story. Um, I know that um, Deegan, for example, was the most adorable, cutest little, softest little puppy. Um, and then when she became an adult dog, she was you know I, I certainly knew what to expect because I'd had a Labrador in the past. But she was uh, rough and tumble and happy and goofy. And I I did the same as you. I needed to have um, locations in my house that it was okay if they got mucky and muddy or they got hairy. And uh, it was a, certainly a different experience from when Deegan was a tiny a little fluff ball but um I had sort of looked further down the road. I'd really thought about what's the experience I'm going to have with this uh, this adult dog and uh, you know I don't regret a, a moment of it. Uh, one of the reasons that I'm here today. You mentioned uh briefly about uh, you, you know exercising your dog's brain as much as you're exercising them physically and I'm a I'm a true believer in th that kind of thing um, I know that when I started training uh, family obedience teaching uh, my dog to walk and lose leash uh, you know sit and stay come when called um, all of those things were so important but all of those all of that training I think I learned as much as a, uh, as uh, being her trainer as I did, uh, you know, seeing her go through these things with some mental exercises, with some simple skill-based things that I did with her, whether that be, you know, like a, a shaping exercise or teaching her a trick or, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And, and it's actually something that we offer now in our free monthly workshop. We, you've created this free monthly workshop um, that uh, allows people to, you know, spend more quality time with their dog, but it's to better themselves as a trainer and it's to help their dog to become a better learner. Just talk for a minute about uh, the uh, free monthly workshop that we have now at uh, McCann Dogs. Definitely. So the first of every month, we are releasing a free workshop. We've just released our second free workshop and they've been received so, so well. So I'm super pumped moving forward to create more because we're having a blast with it. Uh, we've just created a Facebook group surrounding it and the, um, the, the people who have taken the workshop are popping into the Facebook group and uh, introducing themselves and they're all getting to know each other. And it's it's so fun. It's really reinforcing for me. So um, I've got plans in the works for the next one coming out uh, May. May's our next month coming out May 1st. And uh, it's going to be a good educational one and a good safety one as well. So I'll kind of keep it up awesome. in my hat. Yeah, very, it's very exciting to look forward to. And you can <laughs> hear the dog trainer in Shannon when she said it's very reinforcing for me. You can see where her, her brain <laughs> immediately goes. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, we publish new episodes every single week. Uh, so if this is your first time listening, make sure you hit that follow button or that subscribe button. I hope that you as a, uh, a podcast listener, as, as a maybe as a prospective dog owner, uh, took some value away from this. I think it's, um, it's so important that we make the best choice because this is a long-term investment. And I think instructor Shannon uh, really pointed out some important elements you need to consider when choosing which dog is right for, for you and for your family and certainly for your lifestyle. So I want to thank Instructor Shannon for uh, all of her amazing blog posts and certainly for the conversation today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I want to thank you for joining our podcast. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And on that note, I am Ken and this is Shannon. I want to wish you happy training. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.